Alright, we are in Luke chapter 14, and I want you to notice what it says in verse 15. It says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made, made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in his the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And I want us to this evening to take a look at this parable. And at first what we're going to do, we're going to look at the interpretation of the parable, why Jesus was giving it. But then I want us to make an application I think is very important. Uh, one of the things that, you know, me just being a pastor, that you're any, I think any pastor is just naturally going to be a student of human behavior where we're always trying to learn about people, what makes them tick, how we can help. And let me just say, when it comes to this generation, I'm very concerned about the next generation. You hear me complain about it all the time. Gen Z is called Gen Z for a reason because it's the last letter in the alphabet and this has got to be the last generation. There's no way society can survive with the way this generation is with all the problems that it has. And, and, and so I want to show you some things from this parable tonight where we can make application again to help you understand what's wrong with people today. We have, we have a real problem in our world, in our culture and it's important that we identify where these problems are so we can, one, make sure we don't participate in these problems, but two, make sure, two, we don't train our children this way. I purposefully train my kids to be contrary to this world because I'm disgusted with what it's turning out. Disgusted with it. And we got to make sure, you know, whatever it takes to motivate us to be different from the world, let's use that motivation because we need it. And so, let's first, let's look at the interpretation of this parable first let's look at what prompted this parable that's always an important thing and in verse 15 it says when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things he said unto him blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of god and he said that because obviously he in his mind he's thinking man if somebody gets invited to eat in the kingdom you know imagine getting invited to eat at you know I wouldn't say the White House, but nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to get sniffed. But I mean, you know, it's some place of high honor, okay? Wherever that place is right now, whoever American royalty is, you know, you get invited someplace like that. It is an honor. And even today in our culture, we see this often where sports teams win the championship and then they get invited to the White House. And then it's always in the news who refused to go. And it is because it's a diss when you are invited by somebody especially who's high ranking somebody who's above you it's an honor to be invited it's invi it's an honor to be invited to anyone's home it's it's always an honor but you know especially when they are seen as a dignitary and so when you refuse that 
there's a problem. So when this guy makes a statement, we're not going to go into all the things first, but you know, Jesus had told him, it's like, hey, you know, when you bid somebody to supper or to eat, don't just have people that can give to you in return. You know what he's saying? You know, you go help people. You go be good to people that can't do anything for you. And so somebody hears this parable and they kind of have a misunderstanding. They, they, it's obvious from what this person said, Jesus could tell that they are missing a message here. And so they're thinking, what an honor it would be to get invited to eat bread in the kingdom of God thinking that you know you must be something special too. I mean, blessed is He. Wow, you got invited to eat bread in the kingdom of God? You must be special. That's kind of what this guy's thinking is right here. So Jesus, He's going to correct that and He goes into this parable about a man who made a supper and He bade many. But these people were making excuses. And so Jesus... He's correcting the wrong thinking by this man that, you know, he revealed his wrong thinking from his question. And it was still, it was still considered an honor to be invited into somebody's home, especially that person's nobility. And this guy, he's thinking it's going to be a great honor to eat in the kingdom of God. And so when he goes into this parable, we see that, you know, it was an insult when the people refused. It is insulting to refuse an invitation from nobility. And this, invi- this, this invitation, it, notice it showed an expectation that was on those people who were invited. Okay? And understand too, God invites, there, without a doubt, there's a comparison here to God inviting people to be saved. And you know what? You are not necessarily privileged like you're special if you get invited to salvation. Because you know what? He invites the halt and the blind and the lame. He invites everyone. Okay? And a lot of this parable debunks Calvinism, which is not what we're here to do tonight. But you know, he does. He invites everyone. So while it is a blessing to get invited, while it's a wonderful thing, none of us should get lifted up in our hearts and in our minds thinking, wow, I was invited to salvation. Well, hey, that's a wonderful thing, but don't you dare get lifted up because guess what? Everybody's invited to salvation. Okay, now, but that's why Calvinists are so arrogant because they don't think everyone gets invited. So it's like, wow, I got invited. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm glad you're happy about it, but everybody gets invited. Everyone gets invited. And it is. And God expects you to accept that invitation. God expects that from you. You should. He's prepared a supper, He's prepared a place. He's done all these things for you, and you should accept that invitation. And so notice, too. We're not going to go through all this parable again, but the Jews were the first ones to be invited to be a part of that supper in the kingdom of God. They were expected to receive the invitation, but they refused. And so we understand, too, how after the gospel went to the Jew first, who did it go to next? Went to the Greeks after that. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. We see Samaritans getting saved. We see Gentiles getting saved. I mean, there's people all over getting saved while the Jews are refusing. They are not accepting the invitation. And so God does not make anyone accept his invitation, but God expects them to accept his invitation. God has given man free will, but it doesn't change the fact that God has certain expectations on men and they will be held accountable for the decisions that they make or the actions that they take. God will hold people accountable. 
The gospel has been offered and those who refuse, God expected them to accept it. They refused. They will be judged as a result of it. And so all of us have expectations that are honest that come from God. We all have, if you are a part of this church, there's expectations on you from us as as a church. We expect things from you. And, um, you know, your family, mankind in general has expectations from you. They expect you to obey the law. They expect you to be a good citizen, a good neighbor. Your family has expectations. You know, when when there's a funeral, somebody dies, there's expectations that you show up, isn't there? Now, have you ever been there before now where there was a family event that you did not want to go to, but yet everyone expected you to go? And that creates pressure, doesn't it? We don't like that. We don't, we don't always like when expectations are on us. And, you know, and that's why it's important too. you know, one, you know, we've set some standards when it comes to those things in our family, we've always said for weddings, one per customer, you know, unless one dies. You know, if a spouse dies, we'll go to the next wedding if you get married again. But other than that, one per customer. We established that a long time ago, and it came in really handy. It's helped us avoid several weddings because uh, there, there's, been, there's been some divorces and things. And it's like, I just, I, I, I can't be going to all these different weddings, you know. And so that's just kind of a standard that we, and so people don't expect us. There's no expectation, and we've been consistent. That's a blessing. You know, birthday party. I still haven't, I've still never been invited. I've never been invited to a gay wedding. Never. And, uh, <laughs> and there would be, there would be no pressure on me, uh, if, if that was ever happened, but never been invited. But we all understand expectations. And those, you know, there are expectations that are just and realistic, while some expectations are unjust and unrealistic. Either way, when expectations are on you, the pressure's real, isn't it? We don't, and we don't always like that. And so all of us have these things. And no one can force you to do anything. When it comes to expectations, nobody can force you to do anything. You know, my parents, my parents have influence over me. My parents can't make me do anything. But they can put pressure if they want to because, you know, who doesn't want the approval of their mom and dad? And, you know, and my parents, thankfully, they don't put unrealistic expectations on me. But the expectations are there and they can create pressure. And so understand when there is expectations that are on you, that's where excuses come in. That's where excuses come in. And what I want to talk about tonight is what excuses reveal. Because excuses, they reveal something very clearly about all of us. They tattle on all of us. And I want to point out some things that are, are very important to you tonight to all of us tonight when it comes to these things, because uh, the, uh, an excuse, the definition is an explanation offered as a reason for being excused. A plea offered in extenuation of a fault or for release from an obligation or promise, etc. That's why we are giving excuses. We want to be released from an obligation. We want the pressure to come off us for whatever expectation we have on us, whether it's something that we put on ourselves because we said we would do something or an expectation someone else put on us because they just felt that we should do something. We we might not have ever agreed to it, but yet at the same time, that expectation 
is there, and we don't always like the pressure that comes from it. So in order to relieve that pressure, what we do is we will often make excuse to try to get whoever is putting that pressure on us to remove the pressure. And that's what happened in this parable. These people, they're being, they're being called to this supper. They are expected to come, but they began to make excuse. What are they doing? They're trying to get the individual who invited them to allow them and just to, you know, because again, you can't force somebody to do these things, but they don't even want the expectation that's on there. Excuses are really meant for one purpose, and that is to remove that expectation someone has for yourself. It relieves the pressure that's put on us when we become overwhelmed with obligations. Have you ever felt that way before? Just like, I've got too much on my plate. And you know what? And there are, there are some weeks, I mean, that just, you know, I've, uh, since I've added these podcasts I've been doing too, it's just like, man, I put a, I put a little, you know, and nobody's making me do it. But it's just like, I kind of put it on myself and now people kind of expect it too. And I, and I just got behind on some stuff this week and I, you know, I, I was like, you feel kind of overwhelmed. The pressure's there sometimes. And we've all been there before where maybe we have. We've obligated ourselves to too many things. We told somebody that we would help them with a project. We told somebody that we would be there for this or that or whatever. And then just everything comes at once and then we're just, ah. And so what do we do? We try to see, just to kind of help us cope, see if we can get people to understand why we can't do something because we don't want that expectation. And understand, some excuses are 100% legitimate and they should be accepted by others, while others not so much. So, for example, suppose I decide I'm going to redo my roof, okay? Or even let's say we were going to redo the roof here. Okay, we're talking about getting the roof done here. We're going to redo the roof here, and I'm like, all right, well, if we're going to get this roof done, you know, we can't just leave the roof exposed for a long period of time. It could rain, we could leak, and so I do. I get with all of you here, and all the men's like, hey, we need to get this roof done. It's probably going to take this much time. We have this much help. And then I'm, I'm asking you, hey, will you be able to help on these days for this time? Do you understand? I can't make you agree to do that. But understand, just the fact that I asked you kind of puts an expectation on you, doesn't it? It kind of puts a pressure. If you're like me, I don't like saying no to anything. You know, when people want help, I don't like saying no to it. It's automatically, you know, a, a pressure that's on. And so if you're like me, typically... If somebody asks for help, you know, and I'm not saying I never want to help people. I want to help people, but sometimes, too, I just want to be lazy, you know, like everybody else. But, you know, I try to find a way to do it. I try to find a way to make it happen. And so we do. It would be wrong that after plans have been made, you know, we've got a schedule schedule set for all these things. If all of a sudden everybody starts making excuses at the last minute, and then now we don't have the workers to get it done. You know, um, and then, but let's say... Let's suppose, you know, that brother Aaron broke his leg. And he said, you know, so the thing is, he committed to helping us with the roof, but he broke his leg. Okay. So the the truth is, if he comes, he calls in, it's like, Pastor Tommy, I broke my leg. I'm in the hospital. I'm not going to be able to help with the roof this week. I'm probably going to relieve all pressure from him. And I'm going to say, hey, that's okay. You're excused. I'll tell the other guys, and, and everybody here would probably understand, yeah, he broke his leg. He can't help with the roof. We, we would all get that. 
And so the pressure is off him now. He can concentrate on healing and recovering. But at the same time, too, if he was just like, hey, Brother Tommy, I just looked at the weather. It's going to be nicer than I thought that day. I decided to go fishing instead. You know, the rest of us, we might not be as willing to accept that excuse. We might not. Now, we could if we wanted to. You know, we might all be fishermen ourselves and think of, man, I don't blame them. You know what? Yeah. You got an opportunity like that? Go for it. So we can be accommodating, but we might not either. But either way, Aaron, if that pressure is on him to, and he, he knows there's an expectation for him, he's going to want to find a way to relieve that. And he probably is going to know fishing is not a good enough excuse, that that's not going to be sufficient. And a lot of times, too, when people are looking to remove expectations from their lives, they know their excuses stink. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. So you know what they do? They improve things. They manipulate the scenario that they're in. They make stuff up. That way, people will be more likely to accept their excuses. Don't want to get ahead of myself. But it is. It's all about trying to relieve the pressure. But Psalms 15 says, who sh- Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. That's a good man. That's the kind of man God's looking for. He's mentioned several things. But he mentions one that sweareth to his own hurt. And you know what? A a good man. He's going to say, you know what? I committed to helping with that roof. I know I've got a good fishing opportunity that day. But you know what? I'm going to follow through with my commitment. And you know, but and the truth is, a good man, if he breaks his leg, he's not going to follow through with his commitment. But we're all going to understand. And so swearing to your own hurt, obviously, you said it's within reason. There are things that physically stop somebody from doing things. You know, when a lady just has a baby, I'm not going to be like the very next service. You know, she has a baby on Saturday. Some people are like this. I'm not like that. Be like, you know, why isn't she at church today? I I don't think we ought to put that kind of pressure on ladies. They've got enough on their plate. They just gave birth. And we're just going to like put this expectation on them to be at church two days later. It's like, come on, people. Especially guys. Okay, you, know, you guys especially, you know, we should be understanding because we've never done it before. Okay, if the ladies are super judgmental about that and they've all had babies, well, you know, I guess, I guess they can if they want to, but you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think my wife would do that uh, to the other ladies. But either way, you know, we got to watch out for that kind of thing. But we should, we should be people who follow through with the things we say, even if it hurt us, even if it inconveniences us. Even if we miss out on some things, you know, we shouldn't go around changing our mind, making new plans, you know. And so, um, you know, uh, Matthew 5.23, turn over to Matthew 5.23. So understand, too, when somebody makes an excuse, again, Aaron, if he breaks his leg, he will easily be able to satisfy me and the rest of us that he has a reason to not be here. Nobody's going to put any pressure on him. We're going to wish the best for him. We're going to want his leg to get better. We might even want to do something to help him out with something because he's going to be laid up for a while. Okay, But at the same time, too, if he wants to go fishing, 
where there's, there might be a problem. And understand, if he has committed to something and he fails to follow through on that commitment, he has a problem because he has wronged all of us. He has wronged those of us who were counting on him, who were expecting him, and we might not truly be willing to excuse him. It's like, dude, that's not, you know, that's right. That's not right. We made these plans expecting you to be here, counting on you to be here, and you're going to bail on us to go fishing. And he, he now has a problem because you know what? We're supposed to be right with other people. We're supposed to be right with other people. Matthew 5.23 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Now, we don't bring gifts to the altar anymore. But that was something that people would do back then. They would bring gifts. They would bring offerings. and These were things they were supposed to do according to the law. Things that would help them be in good standing with God. And you know what? God didn't want them doing all these things, bringing all their gifts and offerings for Him. Look how good things are between me and God. I'm doing offerings. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do while at the same time, we're ripping off our fellow man. We're doing them wrong. God's not impressed with you if you're doing all these things for Him while you're ripping other people off. God's not impressed if you drop an extra hundred in the offering plate when you ripped off somebody for 200 bucks this week at work. God's not pleased with that. God wants you to be right with man as well. And so you know what God says here? If your brother hath ought against thee, says, leave there for thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother and then come offer thy gift. You go take care of that first. Is what he's saying. God wants us to be right with people. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into prison Verily I say unto thee, <clears throat> thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So we need to, if, if we've wronged somebody, we need to figure out how to get that thing right. You know why? Because we've wronged them, they now have an expectation on us. You go out today and you run into somebody's car and it was your fault, there's pressure on you now. There's expectation for you to fix that. There's expectations for you to take care of that. Not only are they expecting you, society expects you to. The insurance company is going to expect you to. And if they and if you don't get that taken care of, a judge is going to expect you to. And now not only are you paying for that person's car, you're paying for lawyer's fees and all these other things too. So you, know, you need to keep things right with man. God wants us to be right with people. But sadly today, even a lot of Christians, they kind of have this hippie, homeless person attitude where they don't want any kind of expectation on them whatsoever. That's why a lot of big churches are popular too, because there's a lot of Christians out there, they want to be able to slip into a church where they won't be noticed and where nobody will expect anything from them. You come into a smaller church like ours, we're going to notice you. You know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to get you involved. You know, we're going to, with things. And a lot of people don't want that. They don't want expectations on them. They want to be free to do whatever they feel like doing at any given moment. Yeah, I'd like to be a part of that church, but you know, I want to show up when I feel like showing up. I want to participate when I feel like part- participating. But understand, that is not the attitude of a disciple of Christ, which is what we're supposed to be. If you're going to be a part of this church, you ought to have an attitude. I want to be a disciple of Christ. But what does Luke 9.57 say? It says, And it came to pass that as they went a certain way, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus said unto him, 
Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. I think he's, he knew this guy's heart. He's like, I don't think you know what you're asking for. Hey, that sounds good being a follower of Jesus Christ, but Jesus is saying, hey, I don't even have a place to lay my head at night. Are you sure you want to do this? And, it said, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So folks, this, this hippie homeless person lifestyle, it's a miserable existence because it never finds satisfaction. And if you are saved, God will never let you be happy living for yourself. And have you ever, listen, have you ever been overwhelmed before and just thought, you know what, sometimes it would be nice to just jump on a freight train and just take off and not have any responsibilities? I, the, the thought of that feels good sometimes, but let me tell you something. It doesn't work, and proof of that is go to literally any homeless community. Do those people look happy? They all, they're all mentally ill. They're all on drugs. They all have problems. They have removed all responsibilities from their life. They just wander aimlessly in these cities. They use the sidewalk as their facilities. I mean, no responsibility whatsoever Yet, are these people happy? No, it's one of the most miserable existences there are. And understand, that is, that's how a lot of Christians are. That's how they want to be today. They don't want any expectations. Not only do these homeless people have no expectations on them, they have expectations from the government. They expect welfare checks or disability checks. They expect food. They expect clean needles. And all, I mean, look at all, all the things that they're begging for. Or, or, you know, and getting from the government. And they're miserable. It is not a good existence. And let me tell you something. I, I, I've seen this over again. The most miserable people are people who have no responsibility. I remember not long after we started this church, we had somebody that came through here that had, she had no husband, divorced, no kids at home, and yet she was constantly calling, wanting my wife to basically come over to her house and sit with her and take care of her. And I'm thinking, my wife at the time has five kids and me to take care of. She can't just sit with you all day. I mean, she's got responsibilities. She's got a lot to do. She's got a lot on her plate. But every evening as the sun would start going down, she would get overwhelmed with anxiety. And, it's just, and my wife's just like, for what? She has no husband, no kids to take care of. Where, you know, you ladies, I know sometimes you probably feel overwhelmed. My husband, my kids, I've got so much to do. And you probably do, and sometimes you probably do feel like pulling your hair out. But understand, there are women out there literally pulling their hair out. I mean, literally living on the streets who have no responsibilities, yet their anxiety is off the charts. Completely psycho. And that is this, gen this generation that we are raising up that wants no responsibility, that wants no expectation. They are the most mentally ill generation that we have ever had. You know why? Because you can't get satisfaction from just living for yourself. You can't do it. And while the pressures uh, that come upon us from our husbands and wives and from our kids and from our churches and from our employers and from our neighbors, 
all these pressures and expectations that are on us, while they do weigh on us, understand when we fulfill those obligations, it is a satisfying thing. It really is. It's hard. It is hard. Sometimes, and we've all been there before, we just felt overwhelmed with the weight of what we had to do. But it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like exercising. You know, when, when you exercise, sometimes the thought of exercising just sounds terrible. It sounds like the worst thing in the world to do. But let me tell you, there's something... And, and while you are exercising, while you are exercising, you are often miserable. You know, I've done half marathons, triathlons, a bunch of different things. And sometimes when I am in the midst of those things, I'm like, why did I sign up for this? Why am I doing this? But you know what? Anytime I've ever finished a big exercise... I never regretted doing it. In fact, I felt great after doing it. And everybody will tell you that. That, you know, that's into fitness and stuff, that they were they are suffering, they are dying, they are sweating while they're going through those things. But after they do those things, after they fulfill those things, it's the most satisfying thing that there is. Kids will drive you crazy sometimes. I mean, you, so there's going to be days, ladies and, and dads, where you just feel like you're the worst parent in the world, that you could just barely keep your kids alive. You're taken to the emergency room every week, it seems like, just one thing after another. But let me tell you, one of these days, one of these days, if you stick with it, one of these days, if you fulfill your obligation, you know what? You're going to watch them get married, move out of the house, and then start having their own kids. And you know what? All the... You know, my dad always said this. I've heard a lot of other people say this too, that grandkids is God's reward to the parents for not killing their own kids. And, you know, and, and we're getting ready to experience that, you know, and we're, I'm looking forward to watching my son get married. That's going that, it, to, it, it's going to be those moments where, you, you know, I, I can already picture what it's going to be like. We're just going to sit down. It's like, I'm glad I didn't kill him. I'm, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a great moment and you know what? And it'll help, you know, when we're wanting to kill some of the other kids, you know, we're going to, we're going to have these, these good moments that are to come. Let me tell you, but the people who have avoided all responsibility, they will never have those moments. They'll never have those moments. And, uh, and so understand this mentally ill generation that we have, one of their problems is they have avoided all responsibility. They want no expectations on them. And you know what? Because of that, they also have no satisfaction. They have no feeling of accomplishment. They got trophies for nothing. And they don't know what it's like to just go out and successfully do something. Things get hard. The pressure gets on. And what do they do? They run from it. And folks, that is no way to live. That is the life of a hippie. That is the life of a homeless person. We do not want to live that way. And so God's expectations, we need to understand God's expectations for you are not going to go away. God gave you the Holy Spirit when you got saved. He's not going to excuse you from certain things. In fact, God enables you to do certain things. We got a lot of people, they get saved, they're in churches, and it's like they see what the Bible says to do, but it's like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. That's not my personality. Well, I get it. Yeah, that's not your personality. But guess what? You have the same Holy Spirit I have, and He can enable you to do some things. Uh, in uh, John fifteen nine, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept the Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. 
And just understand, God expects you. When you got saved, an expectation was put on you by God. And there's an expectation that's on you from other church members and other Christians for you to obey God's commandments. Did you know even lost people, if you get saved and you profess Christ publicly, they're going to expect some things from you too? There's expectations that are on you. I can't handle the pressure. Hey, listen, first, if the Holy Spirit's in you, you can handle the pressure. And handle the pressure. It's going to stink. It's going to be tough sometimes. But you will be glad you did it in the end. You'll always be glad that you did it. God is not going to excuse you from being a witness. So that's not my personality. Acts 1.8 But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria under the uttermost part of the earth. You know, I've known a lot of soul winners over the years who they were not outgoing people, but yet they were really good soul winners. They weren't always the most eloquent people, but they were good soul winners. Just somehow they knew how to connect with people. And at the end of the day, you know what I think it comes down to? I mean, the key to being a successful soul winner in reality is just being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Some of these people, because they know, hey, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not outgoing. And because of, but they also know God wants me doing this. And so they do it depending on the Holy Ghost and somehow they get it done. Where, you know, you can have Mr. Slick, smooth talking, Mr. Eloquent go out there who thinks it's all about him and he's hot stuff and he can't get anything done. The reality is God enables us to do things. So I don't like these expectations. I can't handle it. No, you can handle it through Christ. Uh, um, God's not going to excuse you if you're saved from being a part of a church. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Oh man, if I, th- that church are always putting pressure on me to do good things. Exactly, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to provoke you to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of your, ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God is not going to take that expectation off you. God expects you to obey His commandments. God, God expects that from you. That pressure is going to be there. Now, this is where we start seeing what excuses reveal. Because the truth is, and this, this, is, this happens all the time, and this can happen to any of us. This for sure can happen to any of us. But every one of you in here, God has put pressure on you with His expectations that He has. You all know what those expectations are. You know God wants you to obey His commandments. You know that. But, if you want, you can become really carnal. You can become really focused on the flesh. You can ignore the Holy Spirit. But when you do that kind of thing, what ends up happening is you're not motivated by God's expectations, but by man's expectations. Because when you hear me get up and say, you know what, God expects you to keep His commandments. I, I can see it in your face. Which ones? Now, you want me to tell you which ones, right? What does this church expect from me? You know, what, not, not what does God expect from me? Our expectations are always going to be lower than God's. Okay? And, and so, but people, when they get carnal, what they, they're, you're still going to be interested in what man thinks. And let me tell you, many people in churches today are motivated solely by what man thinks. Because you, you know God is not going to give you excuses to get out of certain things. You're, you know you can't say to God, Lord, I can't do this because you know what Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know what you're really doing when you tell God, I can't do something? You're really saying, Lord, 
You can't do it. Because it's God that works through us. Without Him, we can do nothing. Which, and, and the truth is, with Him, we can do anything. And so most of us, you know, we know better than to blame God for anything. Okay? People, when they, when they leave the church, when they get out of the will of God, nobody has ever just told me, it's like, Brother Tommy, I'm just mad at God. I'm done with God. He's not coming through for me like I thought He would. I watched a whole bunch of Robert Tilton and T.D. Jakes and all these TV preachers and uh, they told me it was going to be health, wealth, and prosperity if I did everything. And so I came in here. I've been doing all this stuff. I've been going soloing. I've been giving my tithes and offerings and I still haven't won the lottery. I'm out of here because I'm mad at God. Nobody does that. Okay? No, nobody does that. You know who they go to? They go to man. Okay? It, it's, a, it's a progression downward. And so when you're carnal... You're motivated by man's expectations rather than God's expectations. When you're going off God's expectations, you under, when, you're, when you're motivated by God's expectations, you know that the sky is the limit. Because Paul I said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But when you're, when you're focused on God, the truth is you, will, you could even go beyond your ability. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 8, 1? Moreover, brethren, we do to you to wit of the grace of God bestowed in the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Notice that deep poverty. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. When they found out, this church found out there was a need, they didn't care that they were in deep poverty. And I guarantee you their deep poverty looked a lot different than the poverty we have in here in America. They found out there was a need and they said, you know what, we're going to help. We are going to contribute to that cause. And these people were so poor, Paul didn't even want to take the offering from them. But they talked them into it. And Paul understood, not only did they do everything they could do, they even went beyond their power. They started working in the power of God. And so understand, if we're motivated by God's expectations, the sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. We're not going to make excuses. We're not going to expect God to excuse us. God's not looking to excuse you from service He called you to. He's looking to enable you. And so when you have those times and you're overwhelmed by the things that God expects from you, just understand, go to Him and He'll give you the power to do those things. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's how it is when we rely on God. But when we get carnal, when we get backslidden, that's when we start going off man's expectation. And you need to ask yourself, am I being motivated to do the things that I do because Liberty Baptist Church has these expectations on me? Am I trying to get away from God's expectations, which we all, nobody's going to admit that, or am I trying to get away from Liberty Baptist Church's expectations? And I'm telling you right now, probably 100% of the time, when people run from expectations... It's always the expectations that man puts on them. But understand, if our expectations are what are pressuring you right now, it's because you're backslidden. That's just a fact. And folks, I get there too sometimes. Sometimes it's like, you know, everybody, all the people at church expect this from me. 
That's not good. I, I should be focused on what God expects from me and the sky's the limit. I can, I can get it done with Christ. But if, if it's you, we've gotten off course somewhere. The reality is man's expectations are much lower than God's. Much lower. If you're under pressure from man's expectations, you are already in a backslidden state. If you're making your decisions about whether or not to do something, like going to church, like going soul winning, because of the pressure of man, mark it down, you're backslidden. Just mark it down. I'm backslidden right now. The only reason I am at church right now is because Pastor Tommy expected it from me. The only reason I went soul winning today is because Pastor Tommy expected it from me. That's not good. You're in a backslidden state if that's the case. You loudly proclaim your backslidden state by the things that you believe should cause you to be excused from basic Christian obligations. Because again, you know better than to go to God and say, "Uh, Lord, here's why I can't be a witness for you. Lord, I know you've commanded believers to go to church and not to forsake the assembling, but let me tell you about my special circumstances. We know better than that because we know God gives us power to do the thing. God enables us to do these things. So the, the reality is most people don't take their excuses to God. They take them to man. And if you need to bring them to man, you're already in a backslidden state. And so, you know, cause, and, and note that, uh, the things that people are trying to get of or get out of, they're trying to excuse themselves many times from basic Christian obligations. And no one's trying to be mean to you when, you know, when they do a bad job of acting like your excuse is legitimate in a poor attempt to be gracious. Okay? Well, these people at church, they're so judgmental. They expect so much from me. Really? Is that too much pressure for you? You hippie homeless Christian? <laughs> you can't handle a church where people expect something from you? That, folks, that's this generation. They don't want expectations. They're offended by that. You, un- you understand one of the reasons... This generation is crying so much about legalism. It's because they had expectations on them in the churches they went to. Their pastors, the other church members, expected them to keep God's commandments. They expected them to live godly. They expected them to go to church. Nobody made them do anything. Nobody, they're always talking about all the, all the legalism and all the bondage that we were under. Nobody made them do anything. They expected them to. And the fact that that pressure was on them, the fact that they felt obligation, it was just more than they could handle. So what do they do? They go to hipster, homeless church, you know, where nobody expects anything from them. You're all good. You're all wonderful. You know, let me stand here behind my bistro table in my skinny jeans drinking coffee and let's just talk about how legalistic those IFB people are. God loves you just the way you are and you, you're fine, you're good, Jesus loves you and it doesn't matter how pathetic and hideous and just awful you are, just don't even worry about... No, that, folks, God expects things from us. Like we have been, we have been, we were not saved by works, but we were saved to good works. God has ordained that we walk in good works. God wants us doing things. God expects us to do things. He's given us the Holy Spirit so we can have the power to do things. And just understand too, God definitely expects faith, which means there's going to be a lot of times where it's going to be difficult. 
But God expects us to do these things by faith. But the reason this generation's crying about that is because this generation can't handle expectations. They're offended that people expect them to pay their bills and to have to get a job and work hard. I mean, they just can't handle anything. It's, a, it's an absolute shame. And, and, no, and so understand a lot of these people that are given their excuses, you know, sometimes people, I mean, we do a bad job of pretending we agree. And again, nobody can make you do anything. But the reality is a lot of times when people, when the pressure of being a Christian gets on people, you know, the pressure of showing up to church regularly, the, spe- the pressure of, of giving, participating, soul winning, all these things. Did you know what? Some people just can't hack it. A lot of people, they see churches like ours, they watch us online, they're struggling in their life, and they're thinking, maybe if I go try that Liberty Baptist Church. May, I'm going to go try being an IFBer, and if I do that kind of thing, then I'll probably, you know, then my life will be easy and happy and everything's going to be great. And the truth is, listen, being a hardcore, independent, fundamental Baptist, it comes with some pressure. It's difficult sometimes, but let me tell you, it's rewarding, just like being a parent. Being a parent is very, very difficult sometimes, but it's also very, very rewarding. And so this new generation, they have tried to escape all things difficult and they're missing all the rewards. And that's why they're all miserable. You know where, and you know where they're getting their rewards? What, what is it that all homeless people end up doing? Why do we see them all bent over all the time and doing weird things? They're on drugs. That's where they get their rewards. They get their rewards from shooting up with something, smoking something. And that's, that's where their rewards come from and it's fake. And it's detrimental to their health. But that's the only way they know how to get any kind of of reward and satisfaction where everyone else is getting it because we endured parenting. We didn't kill our kids. We actually actually raised them right. We actually disciplined them. That is also not an easy thing to do. We educated them, which is also not an easy thing to do. We kept them in church. We kept them in the house of God. We kept them involved in the things of God. These were all difficult things, but we did it. And now we're receiving the rewards. And so, you know, here we are. I mean, here we are, you know, all these years later. I mean, sometimes I look back, I look at the things that are causing people to crack up. And I'm thinking, why am I not completely insane? I mean, when you have, I mean, you have guys in their 20s, no wife, no kids, working part time and seeing a therapist. And I'm like, I'm 42. I'm pastoring a church. I have eight and I don't have a therapist. And I, things are so bad for me, I don't think I can afford a therapist. But I also don't need one. You know why? Because my therapy is just, you know, the rewards that I get from actually accomplishing something. You are not meant to be happy when you do nothing. Yeah, understand? God will not give you happiness when you're doing nothing. God will give you happiness when you are serving Him. When you handle the pressure. When you endure. When you have faith. When you're an overcomer, that's when you will receive the rewards. But a lot of people, they're going to come in and and we're going to have that. Listen, you come to this church, we're going to put expectations on you. It's going to be there. But hopefully, if you're paying attention to God's expectations, you won't even feel it from us. You're only going to feel our expectations if you're backslidden. That's it. Because if you're doing what God expects you to do, you're going to be 
going above and beyond what we would want from you. We're just going to be encouraging you and cheering you on. But what always happens when people get backslidden, they can't even handle our expectations. And so you know what they do? They look for excuse. We got, I got to figure out something that will cause the people in this church to not expect anything from me. And typically, we don't go along with that. Typically, you know, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to, I'm going to keep preaching. Hey, you need to serve God. You need to get close to God. And so that's, and that's why, too, it's so common. It's so often. And folks, I don't know a pastor that's done this for 10 years or more that has not dealt with this. Most pastors have done it for a year have dealt with this. And that is how a, the preacher always becomes the villain. How does that happen? How does that happen? You know why? Because the preacher became where all the expectations were coming from. And he wouldn't give them an excuse. He would not excuse them. I'm sorry. I will not excuse you and, and say, yes, you are the exception. You can be a druggie. You can be a bum. You can beat your wife. You can be a sorry Christian. You can be a drunkard. You can be a whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to give you an excuse for that. You don't know what I've been through and the things that I addiction. I have addictions. I have alcoholism. I don't, I don't care. If you have the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have expectations from you. But hopefully, if you're right with God, you won't even notice them from me. But unfortunately, people are noticing them. And so because they're not getting that excuse, they're not getting excused by me. Because I'm not relieving the pressure, you know what they got to do? They got to make me the bad guy to excuse so they can excuse themselves. That's what's going on. They need to get other people. Oh, I understand. Pastor Tommy is a jerk. He is terrible. What are they? They, they need you to excuse them as well because they they want to make sure you take the pressure off them. And at the end of the day, people just don't like pressure. But the truth is, Christians aren't often very good at releasing people from their obligations. You know why? Hey, not trying to butter anybody up in here. But you want to know why y'all are probably aren't very good at relieving people from their expectations? Because we all have excuses. We all have excuses. We all have reasons you know, we don't want to do something. We've all been offended before. We've all been wronged. We've all made sacrifices. We've all been treated unfairly. And when you go to church with fallen man and you live among fallen men, there's going to be offenses done to you. But sadly, many people are keeping accounts on everyone, so when the day comes that the responsibilities and pressures of life become too much, hopefully we can get those around us to excuse us from our obligations. Folks, we all have them. Listen, I promise, if the day comes where you get so focused on me, you're so backslidden that it's just me that's keeping the pressure on you to do the right thing, I guarantee you, you have things that you could bring up that have been wrong, that you haven't liked, and you could use as a way to excuse yourself. And isn't it interesting how people, too, whenever they do just get burned out, they can't handle something, they're done with the IFB or whatever, all of a sudden they start bringing up things about the IFB, and it's like, um, it's always been that way. We've always preached that way. We've always done that. Why is it a problem now? I'll tell you why it's a problem now, because you need it to be a problem now, because you're trying to excuse yourself. Because we do. We put pressure on ourselves, don't we? And so everybody just wants that pressure relieved. This is, and this, this is too why everybody wants to be a victim in this generation. 
Everyone's a victim in this generation. You know why? Because you're a, you're a victim. Nobody expects anything from you. Nobody expects anything from you if you're a victim. It removes society's expectations. And so don't get me wrong. There are reasons to quit something. There's reasons to move on, whatever. But when you feel the need to keep accounts on everyone, when you feel the need to recruit everyone to your, your way of thinking, it's ultimately to release expectations people have on you. And sometimes being a good church member gets difficult. And that's why we'll make the pastor or other church members out to be villains. If we can convince everyone, if you can convince everyone that other people in the church are a villain, no one will expect you to fulfill your obligations. Well, I wouldn't continue going to that church either if people did that to me. That's why we make things worse than they are. Responsible people, though. Responsible people, they're not afraid of commitment. We have not been called to be hippies. I've always been racist against hippies. And I always will be racist against hippies. We have been called to be disciples of Christ. And your excuses reveal where your heart is. Your excuses reveal who your master is. It really does. We have been called to be disciples. For some, their master is God. But for others, it's the approval of man or even just themselves. And so that's why some of us are really good at coming up with excuses. We are, we're good at figuring out how to relieve pressure that's on us. But you know what? You shouldn't even need that. Let's, if, if, if you're focused on God, He'll give you peace. Because again, there's super good legitimate reasons to not be at church. There's super good legitimate reasons to not do some things. And, but if you're just worried about man all the time, your focus is off. Stay focused on God. Because I promise, if you let God pressure you instead of me, God will get way more out of you than I will ever be able to get. God will get more out of you than I would be able to get out of you with a whip and a gun to the back of your head. I, I guarantee you that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word and the motivation we can get from it. I pray you'll help all of us in here, Lord, to stay focused on you. And Lord, I pray you'll help each one in here. While uh, there's a lot of pressures out there today, and some of them are very difficult, help them understand uh, and have faith to believe there are rewards. Uh, if they will stick with it, stay faithful. And I just pray you'll help all of us when the pressures come to just get closer to you and dependent on you, uh, knowing that you will come through for us and help uh, us get through those things. In your name we pray. Amen.